On today's podcast, co-hosts Chris Nicole and TC discuss what exactly is reckless training. All right, so we are here to discuss the inevitable what is reckless training. Do you want to talk about what it is not? <laughs> uh, it's not uh, reckless. <laughs> it's not throwing the weights around. It is not unintentional. Yeah. Uh, actually, quite the opposite. Correct. Ironically enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'll just dive in. Yeah, because reckless training stemmed from you. That word mm. reckless came from your, you and your background and something that you uh, had a close connection with. So yeah, why don't we just go right into you sharing that with the audience and we'll kind of go off of that. Sure. Um, Okay, so the inception of uh, the idea of reckless was, hmm, I want to say it was 2017, somewhere in there, 2018 maybe. Um, man, it's kind of a, kind of a long, kind of a long story. Um, let me just give you the spark notes. So I have a tattoo over, uh, just under my left pec over my left rib cage. Um, because the heart's supposed to be, you know, kind of on the left side of your body. It's more towards the center, kind of on the left side of your body. So I, I got it there to remind myself that, um, I can be very reckless with who I give my time and emotions to. Um, and it's not necessarily that some people are undeserving, but I just think it's very important to protect yourself, protect who you are and protect your, um, convictions. And a lot of times when you're a people pleaser, I think it's really easy to fall into the role of, um, giving and trying to help to people who have no interest in doing the same for you. Mm -hmm. Um, which that's not to say that we don't want to help anyone, right? We don't want to go out of our way for anyone. Right. But I think it's just very important to discern what level you want to go to for certain people. So when I got this tattoo, I actually uh, uh, made a point to punctuate that chapter in my life with doing something reckless. So I drove down to Florida to get this tattoo. I <laughs> uh, did a couple other things while I was down there. Um, and... It was, I'm going to say one of the turning points in my life. I don't think it was the turning point, right? Like, I mean, I don't know if there is any the turning point for me. Um, but I, during this, I was like a three-day trip or so, four-day trip. Yeah, I drove like 16 hours down there, didn't sleep, but <laughs> hung out with a buddy of mine, you know, got that tattoo in Spring Hill, then finished the trip down to Florida, then came back up. Um, I also considered how a lot of people are exceptionally reckless with how they talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's most prevalent in like in familial settings or right. like, you know, familiar, like the, the people who are closest to you. Correct. It's very easy to take people for granted and take what people do for you for granted. Um, but it's also very easy to let down your guard. And if you're having a bad day, Man, anyone's getting a smoke. (laughs) 
and that's definitely something that I grew up with. Um, sure. My dad was a very emotional person. Yeah. You've met him. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's the very passionate, passionate is yes. the word that he likes to use. Yeah. Um, and I would agree with that. But I also think that if he's having a bad day, he does not do a very good job at guarding his words. And everyone around him is left feeling like, what did I do wrong to get yelled at right now? Why? What did I do? What did I do wrong? And how can I keep this from happening in the future? Now, that becomes a never-ending cycle because if he wasn't upset with you in the first place, there's literally nothing that you can do to change that situation, right? You just have to ride the wave and, and be understanding of that person. So it's it's a two-way street. You have to be understanding if your you know partner or, or family member is unable to control their emotions in that time and, and it's your job to kind of be a little more patient and be a little more understanding and understand that they're not actually upset with you. Those emotions are not directed at you. It's just the words, unfortunately, at that point in time. Um, but it's also our, on the flip side of that coin, I think it's our responsibility for people to just take a second, especially if you're feeling angry about something, take a second to think about what you're about to say and how it's going to come across to people. Like, and, and consider your audience, right? Because you or, you or I may not be in a very good place to receive something at any given time. And man, something that could be said one day, you say it a different day and all hell breaks loose. So I think it's just, it's very good to consider that. Now, no one's perfect. You're not gonna be perfect. You're, you're never gonna be able to consider what you're gonna say 100% of the time before you say it, that's okay. Uh, I think it's just like anything else. When you first learn to squat, you have to really focus on that form and that technique. When you're first learning how to control your emotions and think about what you're saying before you say it, it's hard and you have to really put a lot of effort into it, which is why I think most people don't do it. They don't care. They don't care to, you know, if, if you got offended by what I said, well, that's on you. And um, I'm not a fan of that way of thinking. You know what I mean? I think it's, we're all in this together. So after saying all of that, um, I just want to make it a point to point out that my dad was an exceptionally loving and kind-hearted individual. And I think that that is why um, these actions really challenged me to be become the uh, I guess more intuitive person that I am at this point um, my mom never misses a chance to tell me about my autistic <laughs> characteristics you know what I mean and communication has never come easily for me and because I was so close with my dad that's the only reason that I was wondering what I needed to do to do better because otherwise you don't care right if he's just a right. dick all the time then you're like oh well screw you man <laughs> like yeah you know what I mean but that that wasn't the case so I, I think it really forced me to analyze this and I and I mean I was into my 20s before I really realized what exactly was happening there mm -hmm. um, because at that point I'm working a job and the same thing happens to me and I'm like oh wow okay that's what's going on Right. But I don't like that, mm -hmm. you know, so how do I change that? Um, so, yeah, the intentionality behind the word reckless is yes. born at this point. Yeah. Um, and after my back injury, that same intentionality um, kind of bled over into my technique and my lifts. And honestly, it was kind of a little bit before then, you know, I started powerlifting again. Once I started lifting again, um, I had a decent job. I got a custom pioneer belt, um, which best belts in the game, by the way. <laughs> um, 
and it said reckless training on the back you know that's where i found my script font and you know it's the same as my tattoo and put it on the back of my belt just because that's at that point in my life that's who i was um and this is long before i started coaching anyone i was working at the research and development lab there so was it a re so it was the tattoo was a reminder it was a reminder to myself to be more guarded with my own emotions and to not let my emotions rule me because often in my life they did they ruled my decisions yeah. they ruled my reactions and therefore they ruled the situations that i found myself in which is not okay right i feel Emo like everyone struggles with that yes that's relatable yeah, yeah emotions are powerful yeah. but they but they lie they lie to you um, just like when you're in prep and you're hungry and, and you, you feel angry oh, or real. whatever, you know, <laughs> it definitely feels like it. So, yeah, it, it's, um, so, okay, let me collect myself back up a little bit. Um, so I start lifting again. I'm lifting with a couple guys at the shop. I, uh, go on Instagram. I see these power lifters and, uh, harkens me back to my high school days where you know paul bossy was my football coach he was also the president owner and founder of the 100 percent world powerlifting federation uh, and he was big power he's big into powerlifting uh in high school and college i never really did powerlift so i was super strong but i never competed in powerlifting and it took me all the way until i think 2018 or 2019 was my first competition um so I'm, I'm still a really, I'm a baby competitor. <laughs> I was already a pro that year. Yeah. Yeah. I've done like four powerlifting competitions and one bodybuilding show. I'm always trying so. to beat TC. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it's not easy. That's yeah. why. <laughs> Someone's got to do it though. Yeah. Um, so powerlifting kind of brought that intentionality to the forefront because sure. I started focusing on technique and wondering, you know, how are these guys lifting so much weight? What are they doing that I'm not doing? And the very first thing that was super obvious because they were posting videos was let's look at form. What does their squat look like my squat? Now, everyone's anatomically different mm -hmm. and everyone's lift is not going to look exactly the same. But that is where the intentionality for my own technique started. Uh, uh, started. Right. So I'm reading powerlifting theory. I'm reading how to brace. Um, I'm thinking about, I'm, I'm reading up on cues. I'm watching these lifters lift. And then I start recording myself every single working set, squat, bench, deadlift. It didn't matter. Um, and even a lot of my accessories that I didn't feel a distinct mind muscle connection on. If I, if I can't feel my lat in a bent over dumbbell row, I'm going to be recording it. And I'm going to see what's different from side to side. I'm going to figure it out. Um, so your, first of all, your, your camera is the best tool in your gym bag. And it's one that a lot of people don't use. Some people overuse it. You know, they record every set and post it to their story and they're not actually looking at it for technique. They're not getting any technique fact feedback from any coaches. They're just recording themselves because they like looking at themselves. Um, that's not what I'm talking about here. Be intentional with your recording. So yeah. And then I, then I injure my back. Um, I didn't respect the weight. I was chasing a PR squat, triple PR. Um, I hit 600 one time when we visited down here and could not replicate it or mm -hmm. duplicate it and bang my head against the wall. Just kept going to the gym, push, push, push. And that's not the answer, by the way, folks. Deload, come back, live to fight another day, okay? Um, I was walking out my, like my fifth or sixth set of uh, triples of 585 in Lifetime Fitness 
went like a quarter of the way down, decided I was too tired and it wasn't worth the, the injury risk, <laughs> ironically, <laughs> and uh, just stood back up without a brace. And you can't really do that with six plates on your side. Um, so I felt a tweak, just got worse and worse that day. By the next day, my back was locked up. And so begins the saga of me banging my head against the wall, <laughs> uh, trying to go squat and deadlift anytime I felt, you know, a pain, pain on a scale of less than five you know what i mean right. it's i feel pretty good today i'm gonna go try and do it and then of course you're gonna hurt yourself again so um that kind of evolved my intentionality behind the training to listen to your body and to be in better communication with your body and to really really prioritize form so i was doing it before um i had a 700 pound deadlift and within a few months i hit an 800 pound deadlift Okay, I just basically learned how to perform the lift. And I attribute all of that to technique. I mean, you're not going to get that much stronger in that little short amount of time. It's it's technique and learning how to do the move. So it sounds like both your wins and your quote-unquote losses or obstacles or injuries all kind of, again, reflected back to intentionality in your training. Because if you are being intentional with technique and your approach, you are excelling. If you are not, you are... If you're ego lifting. <laughs> you know, uh, receiving the repercussions mm -hmm. of losing that intentionality or quote-unquote, we'll say reckless, just to yeah, reverberate yeah. back to reckless, our topic. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's very interesting how you look at your... Not only, like, emotional, like, it, correlating that intentionality, that avenue of being a human, right, and communication style but also your training. So now as an athlete, which is another part of your identity and um, just putting the pieces together and reckless followed you along mm -hmm. the way. Yep. Um, and I didn't mean to like cut you off, but no, it's okay. Yeah. And along the road that became something that you wanted to adopt in your career. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Plus, it's a cool name, right? I mean, Reckless Training yeah. is pretty catchy. Um, but I think when a lot of people hear it or, or see it, that's all they think. They say, oh, that's a cool name. And that's probably why he picked it. And that's, it couldn't be further from the, from the case. You know what I mean? It, it just kind of evolved into this training company because of the trials that we've gone through mm -hmm. as, as athletes. Um, and I really think that without it, trials, you you're only going to be half as half the athlete that you could be. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, I really think that pain and injury uh, can be great teachers. Um, if you're willing to pay attention and you're willing to have the patience and devote your mentality to the marathon mentality. Sure. Yeah. Losses have taught me the most mm -hmm. as well as an athlete. Yeah. Winning is fun. Yeah. But I really advance when I'm falling short somewhere. Yeah. Because it, what other thing do I need to incorporate or what small percentage do I need to reach for? I I almost feel like it's harder sometimes to be at the top. Cause what, what, what do you work on? Yeah. What do you improve on? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I really think, um, uh, like you hit, you hit the nail on the head. You know what I mean? It's first of all, it's a great motivator, right? Being injured, being down, losing, like you get hungry. Mm -hmm. Um, if you have that mentality, some people just give up, but that's not, who's listening to this podcast right now. I know right. no one out there is giving up. So, right. um, yeah. So do we want to talk about, you know, reckless training started with you. 
and then I came on board. Mm-hmm. So you had established the company. You were coaching some athletes. Well, I was really excited for you to come on board because oh. I was kind of, well, you know how organized I am. Um, <laughs> oh, the, we got the air quotes there for the people, <laughs> you know, listening in their cars. Um, I am probably one of the most scatterbrained individuals that, you know, you'll meet. I just uh, call him a beautiful mind to all my friends. I'm like, yeah. he's so smart, but he's all over the place. Yeah. Just picture Albert Einstein's hairstyle. And <laughs> that's basically what's going on in my brain any, at any point in the day. <laughs> We're going in a hundred different directions. Yeah. <laughs> I just so, get exhausted some days. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go in in the mornings and try to talk to Chris about oh the day. And she's, she's just looking at me like, can you shut up? <laughs> Please. Well, why are we talking right now? So what goes through my head on repeat? Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So I think that, yeah, because I want to talk about like how you and I, you know, made a cohesive yeah. partnership in evolving reckless training because that's what i think it really ha- it was established yeah. and then it's continued to evolve yeah, and-, and established is a very loose term mm-hmm. uh, i was using google sheets and google drive and google docs for you know all my intake all my programs which worked okay but people some people had issues uh you know viewing the programs in the excel sure. which i can i can imagine like i put a lot of information into these programs yeah. because because i care mm-hmm. and like i said the meaning behind reckless training is intentionality. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to tell you how to be intentional with literally every aspect of your body, even if you're just doing a bicep curl. You know, we have to make sure that these sh- shoulders, both of them are pulled back evenly and they're stabilized down so that when you're performing that bicep curl, everything is coming out of, out of your bicep. You're not rolling that shoulder forward to shorten the bicep at the top to make the to make the lift even easier. You know what I mean? Like there, there's all these little nuances that a lot of people kind of overlook. He's currently working out during this podcast. He's working out and talking. Yeah, at check out our YouTube. He's You'll doing see. bicep curls the whole entire time. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, but yeah, and that's one thing that I liked because I started getting training from you. Yeah, you were my, Jamie Kennedy was my first official client. And then yeah. you were like a month after. Yeah, because I had decided that I was going to roll the dice we were we had so we dated well our dating for about a year Mm -hmm. before yeah we were just athletes dating i did not give her any tips or advice until she asked smart move Mm -hmm. don't tell me what to do i watched her the whole year 2020 followed her around yeah but that's the cool thing that i like about you is you instead of just this is what you should be doing and just interjecting because I'll do that. I'll just be like, oh, here's my two cents. You observe first. And I think that's also intentional in how you're going to communicate or how you're going to convey a certain message or instruction because you're not just throwing information at somebody. You're also thinking about who you're talking to and how to best convey that message. So yeah, so I started getting training from DC. I had some injuries that I was working around um, and I really needed to put mass on and um, I needed to change things up. So I almost kind of, yeah, I was here at one of your first clients basically. Mm-hmm. So you were training a bikini competitor, a powerlifter training a bikini competitor. <gasps> 
<laughs> Shocker. Yep. We need like a sound for that. <laughs> um, and I had apprehension. I had some like, mm, there's some things I don't want to train. There's some mm-hmm. ac- movements I don't want to do. Well, also because of preconceived notions. You yeah. Know? Well, I had my own theories exactly. on how the, a bikini physique should be trained. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had reached a point where what I was doing, I didn't feel I was getting the most out of. And well, also I was in person, right? So I'm right in front of you and I can, we did when we first started working together, we did a lot of work in person together, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I'll say maybe like once a week for like 10, 12 weeks, you know, at least I feel like we, we put a lot of good quality time in the gym together. Um, but we were traveling all the time together. Mm -hmm. Right. So we had that opportunity. Yeah. So So it was almost like we started working together in a coach client ish type of relationship and it really opened my eyes to looking at training in a very differently uh looking at how my body moved differently um my mental space going into the gym it was just a a lot of new different things and then we put in the work and i started seeing the results and you guys know that muscle growth takes forever so i also learned some patience Mm -hmm. but i was getting some positive feedback along the way it wasn't mm-hmm. like i was just going in blind and then two years later i was like wow my muscles grew overnight no i, I was seeing some hypertrophy but i was also feeling a lot of the differences and having i think that's what happened you you had that trap or the levator injury yes and we started doing a lot of scapula work together yeah i had uh, a ton of mobility issues i have a 30 degree curve in my thoracic spine so uh, my body is uneven as much as it can be and uh i never had any instruction on training for my specific physique and because beautiful mind over here (laughs) tried some new things um and kind of taught me new things it was both i think like a discovery period for you training a different type of athlete with some different injuries and it was interesting for me to learn a different technique and I feel like it kind of just spurred us to continue to grow Mm -hmm. as coaches because we wanted to learn new things and understand new methods. And And you would question me. Oh, man. (laughs) Get ready. Rapid fire questions. And sometimes attitudes will just be frank. Well, in the beginning, it was easy because if I would give you something to do for your scapula, it would help the pain in your neck. Yes. So you would say, oh, yeah, this is great. But then once that pain was gone. You're like, oh, I don't have to do that. Why am I doing this? Leave me alone. Yeah. 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 It was a learning curve for both people. I never had had a trainer in person. I've been a trainer. I've been a coach. Uh, I've never had someone hands on with me. So that was another thing that was interesting to learn. But I never had, we never talked about becoming coaches together, running a company together. It was really never in the plans, Mm -hmm. I feel like, until this year yeah uh where i just kind of naturally went into that direction yeah, it just made sense mm-hmm. sure. and then we had another year where you know i was coaching um and we were traveling so, so we were 21 next yeah. year yep so we were traveling around the country we were going to shows tc was getting a lot of exposure to apprenticeship yeah which we didn't plan either but again it's him sitting and observing uh my coaching style what was happening at shows my athletes like basically he just it was like take your boyfriend to work day and uh it was a great support but it taught 
I, I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like it taught you a lot about yeah, what I was experiencing yeah. in the sport of what I knew. Um, but you also challenged me a lot in good ways about asking questions, not necessarily like, why haven't you done this? But why do you do this way? Why do you do this thing this way? Or have you thought about this? Or I don't know, just like as much as I was asking questions, probably to get out of exercises, <laughs> I feel like you were asking me questions to learn and also teach me to question things for myself, because mm -hmm. I really do think that um, intellectuals that advance in the sport are constantly asking questions. Well, I think once you reach a certain athletic level, um, and I'm going to say it's in the intermediate stage you have to become a much better communicator with yourself and with your body and more yes. inquisitive during your workout sessions, right? We're not just going in there to beat, crap, beat the crap out of ourselves anymore. We're going in to, to find out what our body needs and mm -hmm. what, what weaknesses we have to work on. Yeah. So and if you're just going balls to the wall the entire time, you're, you're going to miss those weak, weak links in the chain until mm -hmm. they break. So, which we don't want to do that. We don't want to break them. We want to find them, strengthen them, and then find other now weak links in the chain and strengthen them. <laughs> I feel like that's something that we both experience too, um, because our minds want to do so much extra than sometimes what our bodies are ready for. And, uh, but like we talked about in the very beginning, those losses are obstacles. They, they also have taught us a lot too. They also teach you where the line is and how to do it better. Um, so yeah, long story short, Reckless training started with TC and then unintentionally, you know, we learned from each other. And then uh, this year we kind of made the jump. Um, I think because I saw the value in what you were bringing to me and my physique. Um, like I just got back from, I competed this year. I haven't competed. I was off stage, I think for two, I can never remember. Since 2020, it was 20, it was September, 2020 until march was your first show this year 2023 yeah. so yeah. it was it was like two and a half years you were off stage you were away from stage yeah and in there was our fat year oh gosh well that'd be a whole other episode. yeah yeah we'll have a podcast we about our pictures fat year. to yeah. show people <laughs> um but yeah so i think that i saw the value and i wanted i love my clients so much and anything that i can give them extra i want them to have and I was like, man, I really, I tried to like give some instruction and um, help them along the way, but I just didn't have the same, um, I don't know. I interest, just, I'm going to say. Yeah, I, I think, think you just had like stronger. Uh, Being a guy, you want to know how to build every single muscle aesthetically, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I've always been a power builder. You know, I grew up reading Muscle and Fitness magazine, but I've always had an eye towards max, you know, max end strength, top end strength. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I've always had a much higher interest in like the actual training. Now you did go to school and you love training. You love programming. You love working out. You love, you know, learning about exercises and stuff. It's not um, foreign to me, but yeah. if I could bring in somebody that was stronger in that aspect it would allow me to focus on different things and yes, exactly people's prep and that's and i just nerd out on the nuances too right like oh i gosh. go down to a yeah. microscopic level on these lifts that a lot of people don't go to <laughs> yeah and some people might say well that's not necessary um but 
You know, I was just telling Chris the other day, I was watching a video of Chris Bumstead. I was like, ah, his shoulder oh press. My. We can fix that. Yes. <laughs> it's very interesting like to hear. <laughs> Chris, if you're listening. <laughs> Give me a shout. I got you. But it is very interesting to hear what uh, TC sees. Like, he'll look at posing videos or photos or exercises and can pick out things that I would miss mm -hmm. or I'd have to really concentrate and watch probably like 10 times to be like, okay, I see that there's a problem, but what exactly is it? And I think you very quickly catch on to errors um, or, you know, maybe parts of the body that are lacking. And then you start problem solving. Problem solving is a huge um, skill of yeah, yours. Sure. Yep. Uh, so I think that having that aspect where I can give you an athlete and tell them, communicate with TC, talk about your injuries, talk about your, you know, um, your lifts, where you're struggling. And then you and I both sit and talk about the aesthetics of that athlete. You'll have a meeting and talk about, okay, where are the strong points, where's stuff lacking, even in movement when a client is posing immediately. It's like, okay, I see a weakness in this point. I see a weakness in this point. We need to add these things into their training. So it becomes a cohesive effort mm -hmm. to give the client as much as they possibly can. So that's kind of our setup at Reckless Training is two, co two coaches for the price of one. We will never be rich, um, but we really pride ourselves in being able to give as much as we possibly can to the people that choose to um, invest their health and their goals, you know, put those things in our hands. So I don't know. I kind of went on a tangent. No, that's there. great. Yeah. So just to clarify our business structure, um, the, the onboarding process generally goes through Chris because she is much more personable and um, people like talking to her more than they like talking to me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she generally does the onboarding process and then she will be doing the weekly check-ins. So when you mm -hmm. check in on a weekly basis, you'll get a, a Loom video uh, back from her response. Um, generally going over your pictures, going over your diet, going over your, your daily life, your daily routine over the past week. We have an intake questionnaire to fill mm -hmm. out weekly. Yep. And then um, she will be in charge of your uh, macronutrient uh, mm -hmm. nutrition guidance and as well as cardio. So now obviously we uh, collaborate on those two things yes. uh, because it has to match up with training, right? If you're depleting, I'm not going to give you a, you know, the hardest workout of your life on, you know, your second depletion day on peak week, right? Like that yes. doesn't make any sense. Yes. So we do collaborate a lot on that, um, but then, um, uh, not then. <laughs> um, so I do obviously all the hypertrophy training. So we right. do a lot of video assessments. Um, I really like uh, like like uh, single leg sit downs. I, I used to use single leg squats. They're pretty hard. So for people who can't do those, I use single leg sit downs. You can see a ton of movement compensations mm -hmm. from performing a single leg sit down and an overhead squat. So those are the first two that I give people. And then from there we branch out and we do um, some exercise specific videos like uh, hip thrust, squat, deadlift. Like we wanna make sure you're getting your compound lifts down. Um, but then also if you're not feeling an accessory movement where you're supposed to, you know, we'll, we'll do that. Um, I like single leg glute bridge leg raises um, which is, it's kind of hard to describe, but it's, it just suffice it to say that, um, there are a lot of different exercises that we use to uncover all of these imbalances mm -hmm. that are going to make it much harder for you to 
continue advancing without a plateau. Uh, because that, at the end of the day, that is the goal. Whether your plateau comes from um, just you know muscle not growing, strength not uh, excelling like you wanted to, or an injury. We, we want to avoid plateaus at all costs. Yes. So that's where a lot of our intentionality goes into. Um, but I think it works very well because each of us are able to really focus in on what that athlete needs from us, right? So Chris looks at their physique um, and their mentality, mm -hmm. which is an exceptionally important part of an athlete. Like if you've ever competed, you know that your mentality and prep, it, oh my gosh, it's a different ball game, yeah. right? So mentality is ultra important and she is just so nice and so kind so like i, I know i'm gonna make her turn red here but like it's getting a loom review from her she's just so smiling and so nice and so appreciative and so encouraging that it's just you can't help but feel elevated after these response videos um whereas me it's like oh yeah you did a good job okay we're gonna work on this next <laughs> so okay that's not true you don't get this kind of gratification i guess for me we do have a different approach yeah i try uh, to be nice i'm still nice you, you are know? Nice. but i i am also like very business so yeah going back to the beginning of the podcast where you have to know your audience and consider them i do try to do that but at the end of the day i'm a kind of business kind of guy and like sure. th this is what's wrong this is the problem and this is how we're gonna fix it um straight and, shooter yeah yeah so I'm like, tell me something nice and then tell me. Working with Chris has taught me <laughs> how to give feedback and how to have people be receptive for these technique changes, right? You have to tell them what they're doing well so that they can say, okay, this is great. That That is on point. It's 100% is right where it needs to be. All I need to do is fix this. That's it. And then once you have that perfect, great. Hey, that is perfect. Let's look at your feet now. Mm -hmm. you know so yeah. generally i start from the feet we work up but yeah so you, you get what i'm saying yeah um yeah it's yeah the communication style and it's very interesting to um i mean i have two coaches as well and i actually really like it and that's another aspect of what we've been able to do here is we've been able to uh, well, TC has been able to collaborate with other prep coaches because I'm a prep coach myself. So that's primarily what I focus on. But the the intentionality of the training aspect, um, you know, we'll collaborate with a coach that we feel aligns with our same philosophy. That's very important to us to make sure that what we are, who we are aligning ourselves with has the same approach to prep, the same care of an athlete, the same overall health as a primary goal same intentionality it's not just yeah. about their success it's mm -hmm. about them as a human being so coaches that we respect and have that same idea when it comes to their work we'll collaborate with and work you know we'll have an athlete that gets prep coaching from someone else and then gets hypertrophy coach uh, coaching from tc and typically people who have this the coaches that have the same philosophy as us they don't care to share an athlete they're very much like, yeah, this is a, mm -hmm. the fitness industry is constantly evolving, constantly mm -hmm. learning. And there's plenty of, uh, how do I want to say this? Um, there's plenty of professionals out there that aren't, I would say, doing the athlete. Uh, They're using the athlete to make themselves look better. By yeah. having successful athletes, quote unquote, successful athletes, because then as soon as they win that show or win their pro card or make it to the Olympia stage, you never hear from them again. 
because their hormones are out of whack because they're digested their metabolism like everything is just super screwed yeah so like i said we just want to make sure that whoever we're sharing the athlete with they're getting similar advice from and it's also for the other coach and the athlete mm -hmm. as well you do not want two coaches with conflicting mm -hmm. advice that is a horrible place to put an athlete so um and there's a lot of different good ways mm -hmm. to coach an athlete too so we just want to make sure that all parties are uh getting something positive from the experience and it's cool because we get to learn from other professionals as well yeah so what chris is talking about is i think i don't know of another company doing this uh, but it's probably because i don't know of another company who uses two coaches per athlete mm. um, but what we offer is we have a competition prep package which is all inclusive weekly check-ins mac uh you know diet plan if you want a macronutrients blah 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 training everything um and then we have what is essentially an off-season training package it's a little cheaper because it's a little less intensive you know you're going to check in a, a little less frequently um but you're still going to get all the information that you need and then uh i was about to say our bottom tier package but it's not really it's not anything less it's just different um if you already have a prep coach and you feel as though the programming could either be better or it's lacking or it's not necessarily intentional or it's not built for you or you just want to try something different you can hire us just for the hypertrophy we it's mm -hmm. a, it's called the hypertrophy coaching add-on mm -hmm. and that is specifically what it is you have a prep coach they're handling your macros they're handling your cardio exactly how we do it in-house here i'm just working with a different coach um, and so far what that has looked like is that athlete submits their check-ins to the other coach and they get the response and then they submit all that information. They just email me that information. So they email their check-in submission and then they email the coach's response, um, which has worked uh, very well up to this point, um, I think, anyway. And I think our, our athletes are pretty happy with it, too. Yeah. And I do have one athlete that has hired me for prep mm -hmm. coaching yep. but uses a trainer uh, in-person training so we're just I feel like pretty malleable to what we just want to help people yeah How, however we can that's not going to take away from other people that we're already helping mm -hmm. uh, we want to help people so like if you have questions shoot us a question on Instagram you know mm -hmm. just like shoot us a message and we'll respond I promise we're, we're not that big <laughs> <laughs> um, and we also that's another point is we're not looking to be a large exactly. company. Um, if we have 50 clients, that that's as many as we're going to take, I believe. Yeah, we do have. We've talked about a max amount of athletes that we would take on because we don't want to uh, water down our service. We want to make sure that people are they're not feeling the okay. They're getting too big now. I'm not getting as much of a response from yes. my coach as I was prior. I want people to feel invested in the entire time, where we both do, mm -hmm. and. Um, so we're we've made the decision uh, to be okay with keeping our prices at a reasonable amount, um, keeping our, you know, packages. Well, they're not really packages. Having, month to month because right. we don't have contracts. We know that life happens. And I don't want somebody to feel like they have to yeah. invest six months with us and then they don't either like the training style. It's just not what they were looking for. Or like you said, mm -hmm. life throws them a curveball and they can't invest the way that they thought that they could 
again, it's all a lot of our setup is just an effort for the athlete. Um, just to have a good experience. And yeah. What else did I have on my notes? Mm-hmm. My computer went to sleep. Um, yeah, we want you to continue working with us because you want to continue working with us. Not because you have to, because you're stuck in a contract. Man, I, I worked at LA Fitness for one month. And the lowest package they had for personal training was like six months or something. Yeah. I sold one package. <laughs> and when that woman looked at me and said, wait, you're not training me? Yeah. I felt so terrible. <laughs> so, so bad. Yeah. I was about to cancel the sale, but of course my the sales manager was there and he was like pushing it through. Right. So uh, that was the last that was my last week there. I left. I, I couldn't do it. I, that's not that's not who I am. I'm that's not what I believe in. You know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah, month to month. Yeah. You hey, you want to pay us for a year? We'll give you a discount, but you know, yeah, month to month. Talk to, to come talk to us first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say I heard on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, because like I said, we're willing to work with people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's after someone's been working with us. You know what I mean? That's yeah. not like we do have people that are very person. committed. Yes. We're very thankful for our mm-hmm. athletes that are, man, ride or die. We have some ride or die athletes. Goodness. Yeah. Um. Uh, the other thing too that I think is very important we talked about which is kind of another sacrifice but also a positive opportunity as well as traveling we travel a lot we go to a lot of posing seminars we go to as many shows as we can swing um workshops posing workshops we've been to a lot of events expos over the past three years i think all of our money has been spent on food (laughs) supplements gas and hotels yeah that's it i get my hair done like only when i'm competing pretty much two or three times a year maybe tops yeah i just want to have nice hair when i compete yep i get my hair cut before an event (laughs) so whether it's one month away or three months (laughs) yeah i'm gonna come in looking pretty grizzled our clothes are pretty old yep whoever wants to donate yep (laughs) but again like we make those choices intentionally we're not asking for sympathy we we're choosing how we want to set up our life and what we're really passionate about and it's about helping people we love being athletes and we want athletes to have a positive experience and being coaches gives us that opportunity. And I would say there was a point, um, I think it was, yeah, it was last year where I really considered leaving coaching. Um, I just was hit with a lot of like harsh realities about the industry. Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking, man, I have like invested my whole like 20s basically and learning how to coach and then you know winning my pro card at 30 and then continuing to get into prep coaching and i was like man it this is what i've been working on this whole time just feeling like athletes were not appreciated by coaches that um and vice versa health yeah yeah is not appreciated by athletes exactly and I think I, I even think I made a 
Instagram post about it. Somebody talked to me the other day and was like, I remember you writing that on Instagram. Um, but it was hard. It was hard to think about. And I think that's with anything. If you're investing all of your time and your effort and you're wanting to make a positive change and feeling like you're just swimming against the tide, that's how I fall at that point. Yeah. Um, and I had a, <clears throat> a very good friend of mine who uh, had poor coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and it cost her everything. Yeah. And that was where I was like, man, am I going to really try and continue to make an impact or is this too discouraging and I just need to shift gears? Um, and I took some time to think about it and I decided I was going to continue because the people who I had on my roster, uh, they meant everything to me. And the thought of me leaving coaching and having them, maybe go to a coach that Mm -hmm. didn't care about them as much uh just wasn't okay with me it didn't sit well with me i think that was a huge turning point in your career yeah um when all that happened i think that was a big shift for me i think you your priorities kind of shifted like things were brought to light i feel like you those were your priorities before but because you didn't have any concrete uh like north star guidance sure um whereas i think that this was a moon-sized North Star for yeah. you. And uh, it just kind of showed you what, what, what was important to focus on and also what your responsibility to a lot of these athletes was. Yes. Right, because just like you said, if you stop coaching, these athletes are still going to look for a coach. Yeah. And who's to say that they're going to wind up with a good one? Yes. Rather than one who's just going to pump them full of drugs so they look good on show day and then they don't give two Mm-hmm. craps about what happens to you afterwards yeah so yeah yeah again a loss or an obstacle mm-hmm. or an injury uh what you do with those things yeah you, that's really a fork in the road at that point yes um you could have chose to wallow you could have chose to you know pity and you know or anger would have been a very easy one I um, did feel all those things. Oh, yeah, of course. But that's not what you acted on. Right. You acted out of empathy mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So, and and it's it's because, you, I, I know 100%, I'm going to, uh, all of your clients listening right now, like that's, you are the reason that Chris Nicole is still coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, she, w- she would have stopped before she came on with me. Um, if, you know, she didn't have you ladies out there giving your all every single week checking in whether it was positive or negative complaining or encouraging (laughs) it didn't matter you were there checking in you were putting the work in and that's why she knew she had to as well yeah exactly and michael yeah yeah and michael i have a male client (laughs) he's a rock star yeah um but yeah no it's true um as much as they say that you know athletes say they're inspired by their coach i definitely would say i'm a coach that's very much inspired by my athletes yeah we were just talking about that all these moms out there and then oh the moms with the jobs and they're also looking for a pro card and then we're over here just like we're athletes and coaches and that's it and we're like <laughs> what the hell <laughs> how are you how are you guys doing all that so lazy yeah. i don't have 10 kids um but no it's uh it's a great opportunity and mm-hmm. to, to work with people that really deserve it um that pour into other people, especially I, no shade to the men, but I do feel like women really, uh, they give a lot as far as careers and taking care of their kids. And I mean, and, and I mean, just, just from a purely like, uh, 
I don't know, scientific view, I guess. When you're in prep, oh my gosh, the female hormones, it's like, it's, hmm. it's ridiculous how much you have to pay attention to that kind of stuff. Yes. Like with guys, it's like, okay, you know, cut 200 calories, cut 200 calories, you know, like up the cardio. With women, yeah, yeah you're, you're going to inevitably do that at some point, but you can't just keep cutting calories, right? You can't, okay, now you're at 900 calories and 120 minutes of cardio today and it's, no, you can't do that because the, their hormones are going to be non-existent by the end of that prep. And that's kind of what we were talking about earlier with some coaches who just don't care about the athletes, you know? Yeah. So, and that that's why you really have to cultivate this long-term mentality in your athletes because sometimes the body doesn't want to respond like you want it to. Right. And sometimes you just have to take a little bit longer to do things, whether it's building muscle or losing fat. So, and especially, I think the majority of our bikini competitors or masters competitors mm -hmm. and whether it's just you know uh, no, no matter what the reasoning is i think conditioning becomes very very difficult yes well so, there's a lot of systems in place mm -hmm. um, and there's also outside factors that play a pivotal role yeah because environment Stress. career yeah family they all affect a schedule and mm -hmm. if you were in bodybuilding you know there's so much about routine and it's just yeah. being like groundhog day over and over again many women do or not just women but a lot of people don't get that and especially if you have a job that's evolving like uh we have a pilot schedule is changing constantly sometimes like the next day uh also a mom so there's just a lot to work around and i give extra kudos to them well, and, and her kid is on like three different teams at any given point in the year yeah. and she plays hockey and like, yes, yeah, no, she, that's, yeah, it's crazy. We have, and it's, we have women that are not just women, but we have athletes that come from all different walks yeah. of life. Yeah. Doctors and nurses, which like they work like 12, 16 hour days and then, mm -hmm. and then they still go work out. Mm -hmm. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. We have military. Mm -hmm. uh, They're working out on a boat trying to weigh yourself yes. trying to weigh your food on a moving ship <laughs> it's insane yeah. yeah but they're but they're all out there doing it that's why we're saying like hey if this is what we're doing we better we better do it yes <laughs> yes yeah so. and and that's why i think like communication is another thing so like i think we both agree that prep is not just or coaching is not just science mm -hmm. i think there's you can lean very heavily on like what does the research say what does um you know what's the science say about something specific and yeah. while that is valuable you cannot make all of your calls strictly on that because like we just said there's a ton of variables happening with one individual mm -hmm. and so there's also the aspect of interpersonal communication by understanding an athlete also giving them a safe space to share um, so that they don't feel like they're getting in trouble when they fall off because I need to know what's going on in your life to be able to help you, not to give you criticism, mm -hmm. to help you. And the same thing with you, like TC, you TC, mm -hmm. um, you need to know what's going on with that athlete in the mm -hmm. gym. If they're feeling like they are, they have no energy, no strength, they're smoked or they're not getting connection. They're feeling like they're just spinning their wheels that's a problem yeah and that's where you know we're here to help provide solutions yeah and so good communication and we're two different people so we may have different communication styles but i think it's appropriate for each thing you know like jim is business 
nutrition is, I would say, more of an emotional mm -hmm. thing. Um, and, you know, we play different roles in helping that athlete get a cohesive marriage of their athletic goals and their life that's happening at the same time. So science, interpersonal skills, and it is an art. Yeah. I think so many coaches, yeah. not so many coaches, but I do think people miss that yes. aspect. If you can look at a physique and know that it is tight, like there's some muscle adhesion, uh, there's some movement pattern, like even in posing, I can, I now. Especially in posing, yeah. Their, their shoulder blades don't move. Yeah. Or they can't depress their scapula. Yeah. Um, or they're trying to twist with their shoulders instead of their obliques. Yes. Because they've worn waist trainers for too long. Exactly. So there's no control out of the core mm -hmm. the way that it needs to to operate to, to actually make it aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. Um, to look at dryness, fullness, uh, graininess. Like there's a million variables that I could throw out there, or uh, adjectives I could throw out there. But um there is an art to looking at a physique and knowing how to make it better yes both in movement in the gym yeah. because you are sculpting the physique that is what's happening in the gym when you're in a physique sport um but also being able to just kind of know where you know water you're you're now really watery like what's going on we need to look at environment nutrition sodium whatever stress stress thank you hormones that's the biggest one for women stress yeah so uh, go ahead no i was just gonna say that 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 was my point is that i think that it's actually uh the best coaches have strengths in all of those areas yeah an artistic eye a understanding of science and an ability to communicate with an athlete and creative problem solving skills Yes. Because it's not always if this, then that, right? It's There's like no said, rule book. Art. Yeah. I have said that from, uh, I think the past two years, I've really. Yeah, it's solidified. I have said that over and over and over again. There are no rules to bodybuilding. It is. Every peak is different. Every show is different. Your body is different every single time. Mm -hmm. um, because life is not in a bubble. Yeah. So I think that's why. And you're not in a hyperbolic chamber. <laughs> right your body's yeah. changing right like even for you you did three preps this one year you're the same oh. age the entire time they were all three different and my prep from like i had back-to-back -back shows was different mm -hmm. so that's why i think a good coach is able to uh adopt principles and implement strategies cons like constantly for that client it's not like oh i figured out your body now I've written the rule book on how to like peak you yeah. or put mass on you. Uh, let's just duplicate this over and over again. It's really like you have to constantly be learning that person. And that's mm -hmm. why I think us having a limited amount of clients so that we can do a quality job is what's important here. Yes. Um, but, and I think a lot of that, like going back to what I was saying is going and making connections with people in the industry, with people that are, at the top of their field that are very intelligent, um, going to seminars, learning, continuing education. Mm -hmm. um, that's something that's very important to us too. I would even say, uh, so I, I've learned a lot just from the average lifter, 
from some gen pop lifters. That's true, yeah. Where some cues, like this past year, I've had to do some in-person training to pay, help pay the bills. And I'll tell you what, man, I've learned a lot from working with those people. Because they all, all have these movement imbalances or issues or compensation patterns that need to be worked out. And I don't always know exactly how we need to do that right out the gate. Um, so we have them try a couple things and sometimes the very first thing works and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's the fifth thing that you try that works. Yes. But every time you get feedback from that person and then a lot of times they go back into their own workouts and then come back to me and say, hey, I was trying this and this really worked for me. Yes. Because I was thinking about it like this and this is how I cued. And now I have a new cue that I can give to people to try in the future. So this in-person training over the past year has definitely helped improve my online game, but it's also given me uh, the insight as to what assessment movement patterns we need to look at for to, to uncover these compensation patterns. And that cueing. So many people will ask me, where did you learn that cue? I'm doing posing sessions for yeah. people. Where, how did you learn how to do that? Or that cue made so much sense to me and their their body is like doing exactly what I'm asking it to do. And I'm like, oh, my powerlifting boyfriend <laughs> taught me that cue. And they're like, your powerlifting boyfriend does bikini posing? Um, but that's right. I think it's, it's movement. It's kinesiology, right. right? Like I've been developing my eye for movement with exercises, but in this exercise this is happening so what do i need to cue or what body part do i have to activate in order to get this to happen and mm -hmm. it's the same thing opposing this is happening how do we present it a little differently yes uh with all of the pieces kept in mind mm -hmm. so yeah it's it's been fun like kind of kind of just giving you a little tidbit every once in a while and it's like fixed my posing too a few times yeah it's it's and and not like anything crazy no. right it's just been like uh try think about driving this and pulling that hip back you know like it's just very small little cues that just help with the positioning and yeah. think about getting upright and twist through your abdominals oh my gosh you know so like it's it's very interesting to me. I, I really, I enjoy it. I well, enjoy every aspect. Well, it's be creative too and mm -hmm. asking people to do different things. Try this. Oh, yeah. that didn't work. I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, just for kicks. Let's try it. That's like, yeah. just for kicks. Try this. Move your foot this way. Squeeze this muscle. Turn this. And uh, sometimes it works. Yeah. And, I'm, and then I like freak out and I'm like, oh my gosh. And uh, we both celebrate. And sometimes it just doesn't work and we go back to the drawing board. And I think that that's a cool thing to be able to learn from each other. Mm -hmm. I, that's another thing that I like about kind of the partnership is being able to learn from each other. Like, yes. yeah, we we have specific roles that we play, but I do think there's a overlap. Oh, yeah. And and when one of us learns something, we give the other one the spark notes. Yeah. And And now so we can learn twice as fast now. Yeah. So... We learn from other people. We learn from each other. We learn from our athletes. It's a it's an experience, and that's another thing that I just want to make sure that's clear. We don't know everything. No. We are very open about. We know like point oh 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 one percent of the information necessary. <laughs> I'll never pretend that <laughs> I'm necessary, but all of it, you know. Yeah, like, and I think that I will always be like that. Mm -hmm. We'll always want yeah. to learn more. We'll always have room to grow and. I'm never going to say like, oh, I'm like a top elite prep coach. I'll probably never feel like that. But um, you're not going to get 
I think, bloated confidence from either of us. Yeah. Sometimes we don't know, and we'll tell you. Yeah. That's a great question. I have yeah. no idea. But that's why I like to collaborate. Well, we like when that happens, too, because then we get to go look something up. We get to share that information with that client, and now we have a new bit of information. Let's figure it out. Mm -hmm. I love that. Let's figure it out. Yeah. And I'm just not going to create an answer because I think that's what it should be. Yeah. It makes me sit and think about it and be like, hmm, what should we be? What should the answer be to this? Or how can I figure it out? Or, um, So, yeah, there's plenty of great prep coaches out there. Uh, we have a different setup. Yeah. But when you're looking for a prep coach, go interview a couple, you yes. know, like, yeah, it's a very intimate relationship. You yes. have to like the person that you're with. Well, I guess you don't have to. That depends on your personality type. But I feel like you do have to like the person. Otherwise, you're not going to listen to them. You're going to tell them to go screw themselves when they tell you you're yeah. cutting your calories. <laughs> you have to respect yeah. the coach that you have. And yeah, you do have to like them in some capacity because yeah. then it's just you have to interact with them on a weekly not, basis. Yeah, so. then you're not going anywhere. Mm hmm. Because if someone, if that coach tells you to do something and you don't trust them, they're not going to do it. Um, yeah, it is. It is like dating. Yeah. Uh, and we are, I'm very upfront with people. I'm like, if you don't, if it doesn't jive for you and you don't like the setup or you don't, you know, we're not a great connection. Uh, we don't have a great connection or whatever. I'm not. It's totally okay. I'm too you know? nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's okay. Um, I actually enjoy helping people find coaches that are good fits for them. I'm yeah. not like, you are my athlete. You will always be my athlete. Don't ever leave me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I want to work with you. I want to help you. But if you feel like that it's not a good fit. Um, or you just want to try something different. You or know? that. Yeah. You want to go learn from another coach for a while. Let's, hey, do it, man. Let's talk about who else is in the industry and who might be um, a good yeah. for you um chances are we've probably talked to them yeah. or we we know some things about them and we can kind of direct i've i just think that coaches should be very honest i mean that's kind of like my theory just being very honest about what i can and can't do and if i can't do it i'm going to direct you to somebody who can sure um and that's another reason why we go to things to make connections with people so that we can just be a positive influence on the industry and whatever that looks like so um yeah. Any other things? Hopefully this is making I, sense. Yeah, I think we, uh, well, we were kind of roundabout a couple of times, but I think we covered a... Oh, so one other thing that I think is very important that is very different and part of the reason that I really liked a different approach to my prep. Uh, actually, there's two things, but... The approach to your training, uh, which I think we could probably do a whole other episode on, but yeah. just to give a brief explanation, because you have an aesthetic in mind, but that's not the only thing you program for. Correct. And I think as physique athletes, we're very just interested in the make my body look like this as quickly as possible. Yeah. I'm not good at that. I'm raising my hand because I'm one of those people. Um you take a very different approach. Mm -hmm. So maybe kind of talk about your approach to strength and aesthetics in one, or we'll say quote unquote power building. Like how would you explain your style of prep coaching? 
um, for a physique athlete. Sure. Uh, yeah, so my, uh, my approach to training people uh, is three-tiered. And I, always, I, I generally tell people this up front because the third and bottom tier is what your goals are. Um, and uh, probably not the best marketing approach, but that's okay. This is, this is me and, and it's how I approach training. So the first tier is getting you comfortable in your body. And what that means is if you have daily aches and pains, if you have little nagging injuries, if you have things pulling from your focus on a daily basis, um, you're not going to progress as, as efficiently, as quickly and efficiently as possible. Okay, so the very first thing we have to do is um, identify any issues within your kinetic chain. Okay, so this includes like movement compensations, um, length tension relationship imbalances um, of muscles across a joint, um, old nagging injuries that were not properly rehabbed, uh, anything like that. Okay, so the second tier is we have to make sure that you're moving properly in the gym and executing all of your exercises the way you, you need to be executing them, right? Because if you're not performing these exercises correctly, you're not going to get the benefit. If you don't have the right focus, you're not going to get the benefit. If you don't have the right intentionality, you're not going to make progress as quickly as you could. Okay. And then, like I said, the third tier is what your goal is. And now we accomplish all these three things at the same time. Right. But I just want to make it clear that um, going into this thing, like your body, you have to live with that for the rest of your life, no matter how long you compete for. Mm -hmm. And my goal is sustainability. So, so between the two of us, our goal is to set you up with a lifestyle that is sustainable for as long as you want to sustain it for. And my specific goal as your hypertrophy coach is to teach you how to work out properly. And now a lot of you listening, I'm sure oh, I've been lifting for 20, 30, 40 years, blah, blah, blah. I know what I'm doing. Um, I'm sure that you do know exactly what you're doing. That doesn't mean that we can't improve upon it. Right. Okay. Um, and that, that's, that's my goal. That's what I've always been good at is taking a system and looking for improvements and executing and figuring out how to, you know, establish those improvements in that system. So that's what we're looking to do in your kinetic system. Um, look for the weak points, look for the energy leakage points and figure out where we can place our focus to make your workouts more efficient. Because at the end of the day, your workout time is like money invested in the stock market. The goal is to get as much return on your investment as possible. And if you're just going in and beating the crap out of yourself without any intentionality, your return is going to be very minimal. And you're going to wonder why you look the exact same two, three, four years from now. Mm. And if you have any goals of changing anything, whether that's getting stronger or getting leaner or building muscle, it doesn't matter. If you have any goals, you have to be intentional with your training. If you're just training to stay fit, go in the gym and do whatever you want because all you need to do is burn calories and, you know, work your cardiovascular system and put your muscles through a certain range of motion. You know, that's all you need to do just to stay in shape. Um, but if you have actual physique goals, if you have actual strength goals, then you need to be very intentional with your training. And if you have long-term physique and strength goals, you have to be so intentional with your movement patterns and you have to make sure that you're not putting excess mileage on your body. Yes, that's a really good point. And that's, I mean, if you think about athletes in any other sport, they're getting 
lots of feedback from different professionals, whether it's a physical therapist, a um, physio, whoever. You know what I'm saying? Like the they trainers, have, yeah. yeah, they have a whole team of people assessing mm -hmm. that person's body and physique, working on recovery, working on um, just keeping it as lucrative as possible, we'll say. Uh, and you're an athlete too. So I feel like people should have a team mm -hmm. and there should be, I mean, your training should be, it's not like I need to get five workouts in this week. Quality over quantity. Yes. Um, don't go in there like, I got 45 minutes. I'm just going to burn through all these exercises. I mean, and, and there are certain situations yeah, where you gotta do that. you're traveling or you have a limited amount of time. You're going to do the best you can with what you have. But on a, a consistent basis, there has to be a high-level effort to get a high-level return. Yes. And I don't mean effort by balls to the walls. I mean with intentionality. Yes, mental effort. Mm -hmm. Very often, uh, my clients, if I work with anyone in person, they have made the comment... Oh, I, I can't count how many times people have made this comment of I'm getting more of a brain workout today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's, I am not the trainer. That's one more rep, push, come on, keep going. One more rep, blah, blah. <laughs> you can push yourself like that on your own. My job is to slow you down and bring the intentionality back to your workouts. And then you ramp back up. And then once you've gone through a certain mesocycle, at the end of that mesocycle, you're pushing as hard as you can. That intensity is super high again, but your intentionality is probably not as high. So we take you down for a technique week, boost that intentionality way back up to the top of the scale and then work you work your intensity back up again, you know, and it's just a continual cycle to keep you refocused on what's actually important. And what's actually important is your body positioning in any given exercise. And that's one thing that I as a client of TC's, uh, I really appreciated is uh, getting back on stage this year. I felt strong. I I liked how I looked, but don't get me wrong. Like, I was like, wow, if I look at the comparison, I've put on mass. I have shape now. I feel like I look like a pro. That's a, That was a huge win for me. But I also liked that I wasn't, like, crawling to the stage. Like, my back, you know, having scoliosis, my back hurts every day. Mm -hmm. And if we can minimize some pain there, that's yes. a huge win. Yes. So being able to get the aesthetics that I wanted, but also feel like I was functioning at a, you know, functioning better, uh, feeling strong was, it, it was a, a big, a big change for me. And I wanted that for my athletes too. Yes. And, uh, now that I'm in an improvement season now, now we're not really going for some improvements in strength. Yeah, you're building. And I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited to be strong. Yeah. I, I like that you can you look at 155 the other day for like eight reps, right? Six reps. Uh, six yeah. Reps. Five reps. It was six. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're a 200 pound squatter. Yeah. For now. I wasn't feeling super strong too. So we'll see what happens this year. Mm -hmm. But, um, but it's challenged me to train my physique, uh, like an athlete. Yeah, you can look like a bikini competitor and be strong like an athlete. I think you have to be, you know, like we we've really been, that is true. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about that, which we'll yeah. get into that on a different podcast. But yeah. as a bikini athlete, you have to have total body conditioning. Mm -hmm. So you need to work your entire body. Plus, oh, like a lot yes. of these, these muscles that, that some coaches neglect, you actually really need to build the muscles that you want. Right. Correct. Like, or to present the muscles that you want to present. Yes. 
right? Like your, your obliques, you have to be able to use your obliques to stabilize for something like a lateral raise, but you also have to be able to use your obliques in your front pose to get nice and tall and upright and rotated into that front, mm -hmm. in, into that front pose. And you need adductors to pull your, your hips through in the hip thrust, right? Yeah. If you have weak adductors, your butt is going to stick out in the bottom of a squat. You know, you're going to have really bad butt wink. You're not going to be able to stabilize that pelvis. Yeah. And you're not going to, you're going to plateau very early on in the hip thrust yes. because your adductors are too weak to handle that load. Spoken from experience over mm -hmm. here. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's a good topic for us to elaborate further yeah, on. A later. Um, but I just wanted to, one last thing, because we have taken a lot of your time. Hopefully you're still listening. <laughs> We've talked a lot about physique athletes. Um, that's my background. I have been a physique athlete. I've coached physique athletes. So when I came on to reckless training, there was a big component of, you know, physique athletes getting coaching through reckless training. But TC, right out of the womb, was a power lifter. <laughs> no, for yeah, real. My mom called me Bam Bam. When I was young. <laughs> well, when I was young, up to last year or something. <laughs> yeah. He may, you know, TC, you've talked about how you did, uh, mus you know, muscle fitness. Style workouts and, but you, I would say in your adult career, um, you well, were a powerlifting athlete first. Even when I first started lifting, pretty much everything I did was eight to twelve, eight to twelve reps every mm -hmm. set, and you pick a weight that I mean you you go up in weight and you're looking for that weight that you can just barely get eight reps with, and then next workout see if you can get nine. Then see if you can get 10. Then see if you can get 11. And once you get 12, you go up and wait again. So I've always had that eye towards being as strong as possible. Sure. Plus, it's fun being strong, right? It's fun being strong, and life is easier when you're yeah, stronger. But one to three rep range strong. Let's that, talk about that. Yeah, it's a, that's a definitely a different ball game. I was, like, sitting on the floor yesterday, like, <laughs> how do people do this? <laughs> and, I, and I was even at the one to three yeah, rep range. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, I need more food. Well, go yeah. ahead. I cut you off. No, it's okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, when I first re-entered the lifting scene, um, it was because someone at the shop, you know, has pestered me. I really want to work out with you, blah, blah, blah. So I started lifting. Um, then, you know, like I said, started, I got on Instagram, started seeing these power lifters and I knew exactly that's what I want to do. I know that I'm stronger than that. Not right now, but I know that I'm stronger than this person and he just won nationals. What am I doing? Mm -hmm. Let's get to work. Yeah. So, uh, it wasn't, I don't know, two years. Yeah, I guess. So from 2018 is probably when I started training for powerlifting again. I think it was August. Uh, I competed in my first powerlifting competition, January 2019. Uh, my second competition, January 2020. Uh, and then I signed up for Raw Nationals in 2020, uh, which obviously they canceled because of COVID. So then I found this little meet up in Pennsylvania uh, in July of 2020. And that was my last USAPL meet. Um, and, and you've won every powerlifting meet you've ever been in. Yeah, I've, I've competed four times. I've gotten first in my weight class in all four competitions. And I've gotten best lifter in three of the competitions. And then you did a, my first your one. first bodybuilding show this year. Yeah, this year is my first bodybuilding show. I got second. I lost to the overall winner. Did not so. get first. Tracked for a week and a half, two weeks <laughs> before, the, before the show. Um, but listen, my point is that you're good at hypertrophy. 
you're good at your job, your heart is in powerlifting. So we do. I, I honestly think my heart is in power building. Oh, okay. Right? I really like looking strong and being stronger. Mm, okay. That's yeah, yeah. like, that's my motto, right? Is look strong, be stronger. And um, be imp have an impressive physique. When people look at you, be like, wow, man, like you look really good. I bet you, you're, you look really strong. And then you lift and you're like, oh my gosh, you, that's crazy. So they're still blown away. It's just com continually blown away by, by you as an athlete. And that's, that's my goal for these people, right? Like we have our girls out there, they're hip, hip thrusting three, four, 500 pounds. They're out there. We got a girl squatting over 200 pounds for reps. Like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. She so, puts me to shame. Yeah. And she's not a powerlifter. You no. know what I mean? So like we have now that's, that is actually the point that Chris is getting at. We do, we coach powerlifters. We coach powerlifters. We coach bodybuilders. We coach power builders. I am aiming to um, try to reignite the power building division, but man, that's a real niche division. There's not a lot of people that want to compete on a bodybuilding show on Saturday and a powerlifting meet on Sunday. There's just not that many people mm -hmm. out there. That's a different breed. Mm -hmm. um, but again, that I think that's really impressive. And I want to give people who are that impressive, I want to give them that platform. I want to give them that opportunity to portray it. So that's kind of neither here nor there. That's kind of a side note, uh, pet, pet project, but, um, really, yes, we coach bodybuilders. Yes. We coach powerlifters. And at the end of the day, when we bring you to the competition, we have practice specificity up to that point to make sure that you're ready for whatever competition you're ready for. But training looks very similar across the board. Yeah. There's a lot of nuanced tweaks, right? Like we, we're going to focus more on volume and isolation for our bodybuilders and we're going to focus more on strength and compound lifts for our power lifters but they're all going to be doing a lot of the same movements mm -hmm. because you need to have a well-rounded physique to avoid injury to maintain your longevity as an athlete and to make sure that your body is just prepared um what one of my favorite people today is, is chris duffin he's uh, you know the mad mad scientist out there in oregon and uh one thing that he says is there's always more, which I, I love that. Um, but crap, now I forgot where I was going with that. He says something else. <laughs> that was really profound. Yes. So and what was I talking about before I said that? You were talking about power building and still doing like your athletes are still oh, doing. He said you have to earn your workouts. It was oh. an email I got from, from, from them at one point, but he was talking about his recovery routine and what he does the night before. And he says, uh, my mentality is you have to earn your workout for the next day. Mm. And man, when I read that, I was, I was like, that's a really good point. How many athletes are earning their workouts? Everyone's going to the gym and some people get to the gym, man, I really don't want to work out today. I'll tell you what, man, after being injured, it is a gift yes, it to is. be able to go into the gym and work out however you want to work out. Whatever that program says, you're able to do it. Mm -hmm. It is a gift and a blessing. Mm -hmm. So I have placed a much, much heavier emphasis on recovery days, yes. on, on deload technique weeks. We, we don't call them deload weeks. We call them technique weeks. <laughs> That'll be another episode. Yep. Um, but yeah, that emphasis on recovery and earning your workouts uh, is definitely something that I've taken to heart. Uh, and I believe that's been very beneficial. Like... The recovery day has, I think, has what has gotten the most comments from our clients. Yeah, they love our workouts. They feel beat up. They feel sore. They see progress. They see new lines coming in. But the recovery, the mobility, the, the, just the, 
the ease of daily life that these athletes are now experiencing because their bodies can move. And it's because we have that first tier of making you comfortable in your body first, first and foremost, so that you can go into the gym and understand that this workout is a blessing and it deserves for you to put your entire effort towards that workout for that day. So, which is difficult. We live in a world of distraction. Mm -hmm. It's so hard to go into a gym and be undistracted for your workout. You're looking at other people. You're looking at other people doing weird exercises. You're looking <laughs> at social media. People yeah. are texting you. Yes. So a song comes on that brings up some emotions. And like, it's just, it's so hard to remain undistracted. But we have to maintain that mentality that this workout is a blessing and I have to earn it. So, yeah. I love that. I think that's a great way to kind of wrap this up. Mm -hmm. um, just Moving through, thank you for listening uh, of us uh, explain what reckless training means to us. And we will our... get more straightforward with our podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how our hearts are just really involved in, in athletes and how we can impact people in a positive way. That sounds so cliche to say, but it really is just like the heart and soul. Um, and how reckless is actually uh, a reminder of intentionality. Yes. And purpose. Yes. And that's what I think athletes deserve from their coach. Yes. So um, if you are looking for coaching and we sound interesting to you, <laughs> uh, what's the best way? You can message us on Instagram. Uh, TC is at Longshot Gamble. I'm at Chris Nicole underscore IFBB Pro. We also have at Reckless underscore training. Is our Instagram? Yes. So follow us, shoot us a message, uh, send questions, let us know how we can help. Uh, we also have a website if you want to check that out. It's recklesstraining.com. Thank you. And if you are looking for coaching and you just want to ask some questions, uh, and, you know, I'd be more than happy if reckless training is not for you, I'll help you find a coach. We're about helping people out. And uh, that's, I think, one thing that's very important is your ath athletic endeavors are about you. They are not about your coach. It's not about me. It's not about TC. It's not about whoever is like steering the ship. It's about you. Um, and yes, there's a level of responsibility as an athlete. Um, but I really think that, that that's kind of the message of making sure that your... Um, your prep or your training program or whatever is specific for you getting to where you need to get. So find someone that's going to help you get there and that's investing in you. And with that, yep, that concludes our episode of Reckless Training. So yeah, reach out, follow us, subscribe. Can you subscribe on Apple? I don't know. We are totally winging this thing. Thanks for being patient. And just remember, work hard, stay hungry, stay humble, and train reckless. Yeah. That's perfect. I like that outro. Yeah. Sorry, I stumbled through my words.